We've been in the book of Jonah and we, we are working our way through it slowly but surely. We're working our way. Today we will be wrapping up chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can take that out. Your message notes, everything is there for you guys to be able to follow along and take notes this morning. Here's the question I have for you guys today as we get started. Is This is the question. What do you think about when you hear the word worship? What, what pops into your head? What pops into your mind when you hear the word worship? Chances are that all across the room, we all have different ideas that come to our mind when you hear that word. Like you might picture an auditorium or a stadium full of people with hands raised and like real hip, cool, a cool band on stage with ripped jeans, right? Long hair and tattoos, you know, playing guitar on stage, whatever, and, and real awesome. Or, or maybe you picture like a duet with, uh, you know, someone singing a hymn on a grand piano or like, you know, uh, uh, the duet between a violin and a harp or something. Some of you picture like the serenity of being by the ocean and hearing the waves crash against the shore. What is your picture of worship? Some of you picture as worship as like vigorously searching the scriptures. That was worship, Danny, when I read through the Bible, when I try to hear from God or spending hours on your knees in prayer, crying out to God and opening up your heart and soul before God. Others of you, picture yourself on a bed because that's what you'd rather be doing right now than talking about worship, right, if we're honest. You know, many times when we talk about worship, we usually think of music. And while the, that most certainly is a form of worship, that's definitely something that we can talk about, worship entails so much more. There's so much more uh, when it comes to worship. It's so much more than the two or the three songs that we sing here on a Sunday. And it's so much more than that favorite song that you like to sing and you think nobody hears you when you're in the shower and you're singing. It's so much more than that. Or that song that you hear on the radio. There's so much more. And the truth is that we worship all the time. The question is, who or what is the object of your worship? That's the question. We worship all the time. The question is, who or what is the object of your worship? You know, I like this, I like this definition um, of worship. I think it helps, gives us like a more of a holistic understanding of what worship is. If I'm not mistaken, it's there and you know, let me see if it's on the screen. It is on the screen here so you can follow along. Here's what the definition says. It says, biblical worship is the full life response, head, heart, and hands to who God is and what he has done. Let me say that one more time. Biblical worship is the full life response, head, heart, and hands to who God is and what he has done. Worship is your response, head, heart, and hands to what God has done. Man, what a great place to start this morning when we talk about worship. What is your response to what God has done? Whatever your response is, that is your act of worship. So like Stephen mentioned, we're in a series where we're working our way through the book of Jonah, through the life of Jonah. And I just want to give you guys a quick recap before we get into today's verses of, of what's going on so far. Right? Jonah was a prophet. A prophet is a person that would deliver a message on behalf of God to a group of people. So God gives Jonah a message to deliver to a people, the people of Nineveh. Unfortunately, Jonah refuses to deliver this message and he attempts to run away and hide from God. We saw last week, we saw Jonah's decline, spiritual decline, as he disobeys God, 
And last week we saw how he was fast asleep in the bottom of a boat, heading in the exact opposite direction that God had called him to do. He was, he was in the absolute furthest absolute direction he could have been heading to Tarshish on this boat during a life-threatening storm. And we mentioned that not only was he physically asleep at the bottom of this boat, but you know what? Who are you kidding? He was spiritually asleep as well. He was numb to the things of God. He, he had disobeyed God. So he was just physically asleep. He was in spiritual slumber. Some of you guys were able to talk about this in your life groups this week. And the last thing we read in this week was that the captain of the ship was like, just like, wake, what's up with you? You wake up. You know, there's a storm going on. You're about to die. What's going on? Call out to your God. And that was kind of the last thing that we saw uh, last week, begging Jonah, like, we tried all that we could do. We called out to our gods. We threw things off the boat. Why, why don't you wake up and call out to your God? All right, call out to your God. So today, we pick it up in verse 7. So if you have your Bibles or it's there in your message notes and it's on the screen, chapter 1, verse 7, here's what it says. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots, then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. This is super interesting uh, here. By the way, casting lots was uh, akin to like rolling dice. They're trying to figure out like, all right, whose fault is it? Oh, it's lots. It's uh, Jonah's fault. It fell on him. That's kind of more or less what, what it was like. That's kind of what they're trying to do. And so, uh, and remember this, that the, the captain and the sailors on their boat, on this boat, they're Gentile, pagan non-God-fearing people. And because of their belief in different gods, they have a worldview which is very popular among pagan and polytheistic religions. And that is that if something bad is happening to you, it must be because God, or in this case, a God, they're thinking, is angry at me. This is a very common belief. If, if something bad is happening, then that means God is angry at me. This is what they believe. In other words, in their minds, the wind God, or the sea God, the ocean God, or whatever God, is angry at us right now, or one of us, and that's why we're about to die in this boat in the middle of the ocean. Can I suggest that some of you have this same type of concept of God? Some of you are here, sitting here today, and you think of God that way. You think that God's here, He's out there to get you for something that you did wrong, for some evil that you committed, some sin that you did. You have this false understanding of God. You have this misconstrued conception of God that that, that He's out to do that for you. You have a misconstrued perception of, of who God is and His love for you. You think He's out to get you for some reason. You know, sometimes it's because of your own guilt. That's what creates this picture of God. Sometimes it's just a downright wrong understanding of who God is. God loves you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to repay you for something wrong that you did. He's not out to get you. God loves you you he loves you and in fact this is the very reason that god sends the storm in the sea it's not out of his anger for jonah it's out of love to wake jonah up and to wake him up out of his spiritual slumber and to get him back on track to get him back to fulfill the mission that god called him to it's out of love to get jonah to go to nineveh and to preach to the ninevites and to let them know that their evil had gone up before the Lord and to give them an opportunity to this pagan nation to turn from their evil ways and, and come to God. It wasn't because he was angry. It was out of love. Guys, some of you have this wrong understanding of God. 
You think that God is out to get you. You think that God is angry. You think that God hates you because of what you've done. It's a wrong understanding of God. It's not who God is. In fact, the Bible says elsewhere that God is love. And it's out of this love that he's trying to wake Jonah up. The, the sailors have this understanding. Oh man, we're about to die because we did something wrong. And, and, and little do they know that it's because God loves them. Because God loves Jonah. If you're here today and you have this wrong understanding of God, let me encourage you with this early on in the message. You don't have to repay God for the wrong that you have done to tame his anger because Jesus already did. Jesus already absorbed the wrath of God upon his back. That's the whole reason why Jesus came to this world. So that he could pay for your sin on the cross once and for all. Jesus paid for your sin debt so you wouldn't have to. That's why Jesus came. Thinking that you have to somehow appease God's anger because of your actions is like saying Christ's atoning work on the cross. You know, Jesus, it wasn't enough. At least it wasn't enough for me. It might have been good for Sally, Joe, or Bob, but you know, for me, Jesus, your sacrifice on the wall, on the cross, your perfect life, it falls just a little bit short, Jesus. I got to pay for my own wrath and my own sin. Be encouraged this morning that God is not angry. God loves you. Let that encourage you this morning. So, the sailors are trying to figure out whose fault is this because they have this wrong understanding of God. And the lot, the dice, fall on Jonah. And once again, we see another picture of God's sovereignty. We mentioned that this is going to be a common theme, right? All throughout the book of Jonah, we see God's sovereignty over and over again. These guys roll the dice. They, they cast lots and it falls on Jonah. It's God's sovereignty. And so everybody now, all eyes are on Jonah. Everybody's looking at this guy. We just rolled the dice. It fell on Jonah. It's this guy's fault. Sleeping beauty is finally up, right, from his beauty rest. And he's found out to be the culprit. So here's what happens. Jonah chapter 1, verse 8. You have it there on your notes. It says this. Then they said to him. Everybody's looking at him. All eyeballs on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? They come out with like a hundred questions for Jonah, right? Because the lot fell on him. So like, Jonah, you got some explaining to do. You got some things to tell us. You got some things to say. You, got, you better tell us. The sailors know who exactly they're, the sailors want to know who exactly they're dealing with. They want to know what could Jonah have possibly have done to anger the gods and what to do to appease them. The sailors want to know who to worship and they want to know how to worship in order to get the storm to stop. Remember, they have this twisted worldview, right? Because of that twisted, because of that twisted worldview, they have a twisted view of worship. They believe that they worship in order to get something from God. It's a very transactional view of worship. The truth is that for the most part, this is what religion teaches, guys. This is what religion is like. Religion says, I'll do X and you give me Y, right? I'll do X, you give me Y. And that's why... So many, if not most, world religions, it's all about what you do in order to obtain God's favor, in order to gain, obtain God's love and approval. It, um, unfortunately, this thinking has even crept into our Christian churches. It's even crept in, and we think the same. And you might be here today, and you have a similar process. You might think, well, if I do all the right things, then I can get God's love and approval. But you see, number one in your notes, true worship comes from a genuine transformation. True worship comes from a genuine transformation. 
And genuine transformation only comes not by religion. It comes from relationship. Not doesn't come from religion. When you've truly had an encounter with the living God, and when you have truly seen Jesus and you understand all that He's done for you, then from that can you foster a worshipful life and attitude. Guys, trying to keep a list of rules of do's and don'ts will leave you frustrated and disappointed. You will constantly fall short. You will never be able to keep up with all the rules. And that's what religion says. Do this, do that, do this, do that. Keep up with this list of rules and regulations of do's and don'ts. And if you try to fulfill all those do's and don'ts and all those rules and regulations, you're always going to fall short. And guess what? You're always going to feel frustrated. Or you're going to think you're going to be doing a pretty good job. And you're going to be self-righteous and prideful because you think you're keeping up all the rules and regulations. But true worship comes from a genuine transformation. And genuine transformation only comes from putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Look at Jonah's response. Jonah chapter 1 verse 9. Look what he says. Everybody's looking at him. All eyeballs on Jonah. Who are you? Where did you come from? What's this going on? How can we get this to stop? Jonah chapter 1 verse 9. It says this. He answered them. Jonah answered them. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. The God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. Now, guys, I want you guys, I don't know if you guys saw it. There's a joke in there. I don't know if you guys saw it. Underline in your notes where it says, I worship the Lord. This is Jonah talking to them, right? And he said, I worship the Lord. And this is so interesting to me. You guys talk to me here. Would you say that currently his attitude and his actions declare that he worships the Lord? What, what do you guys think about that? He's in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the ocean, running away from God. Would you say that his actions and his words line up with what he just said? What do you think? Do you think he's worshiping the Lord right now with his actions? Absolutely not. He's on a carnival cruise boat heading in the opposite direction, right, from where God called him to go. His actions, guys, don't line up with his words. He's telling them, yeah, I worship the Lord. Hold on. God told him to go and preach to the Ninevites, to go declare this message, to do what prophets to do, to you know, proclaim this to these people, and he's not doing that. He's on a boat, asleep, spiritually asleep. He does not, his actions don't determine that he worships the Lord. But you see, number two in your notes is this. Number two says, true worship requires alignment of words and action. True worship requires alignment of words and action. Jonah made the claim that he worshiped God, but his actions proved otherwise. I've heard countless times, and no doubt that you have as well, of people who have encountered Christians who pay lip service, but their actions say otherwise. Yeah, you've met those people, right? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but then their actions say something that's completely the opposite. In other words, their words and their actions don't line up, right? And I'm not going to take a poll. I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand because I'm sure we've all been there. Some of us have been hurt by people who've called themselves followers of Christ, but lived lives far from Him. And the testimony of the church has been stained because of many more that proclaim the same. Isn't that right? And we've all encountered those people that say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. But then their words and their actions don't line up. But true and genuine worship produces a life where our words and our actions align. So here's the question we need to ask ourselves right now. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. Do our words align with our actions? Do your words Align with your actions. In other words, does what we say line up with what we do? And that's a question that you need to ask yourself this morning. 
Ask yourself that question. Do our words line up with our actions? Let's continue to read uh, Jonah chapter 1, 10 and 11. Here's what it says. Then the men, the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, What is this that you've done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he told them. Verse 11, So they said to him, What should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. So now they know Jonah's the culprit. Jonah admits to it. So naturally they want to know. Remember, they have this transactional view. Right? What do we got to do to appease the gods or God or whatever you, whatever you call them, Jonah? What do we got to do to get them to stop so that we can live right now? What do we have to do? And Jonah gives them what he believes is the answer. Jonah chapter 1, verse 12. Here's what it says. Verse 12. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Now, this is amazing to me, guys, because I don't know if you caught it. And this is why I love Jonah so much. Because I can totally relate to this guy. Like Me and him, we, we connect. He reminds me of me so much. I know I can be so hard-headed sometimes. I know I can be super stubborn. I know you guys, you like, you know, you, before you come to church, you take your halo off. You put it in your back pocket so that you don't make me feel bad. I know. But me, I connect with this guy right here. Because I can be so stubborn sometimes. You see... They want to know what do they, what do they got to do to keep this from happening, right? God told Jonah, God told Jonah, go to Nineveh, right? Preach, preach to the Ninevites, you know, tell them that their evil has come up before me. And what does he say to stop the storm? Guys, here's what you got to do to stop the storm. Turn this boat around, take me to Nineveh so I can preach this message that I've been running away from. Is that what Jonah says? Jonah's like, listen, this is because of me. And I ain't going to Nineveh. So you could throw me off this boat right here, and I'll just sink to the bottom, and, uh, and I'll drown. And, and that's it. God, it'll appease God's answer. Did you guys catch that? Did you guys catch that? He'd rather die than do what God called him to do. And here's what we learned. Number three in your notes. True worship requires obedience. True worship requires obedience obedience guys Jonah is in such a spiritual slump and his heart was so hard against what God was asking of him that he would rather die than accomplish God's mission now don't be too harsh on Jonah here because we're the same way right how many times have you put yourself in a position where you knew that God would not approve of a certain decision but you made it anyway you knew the consequences that would come but you did it anyway for some of you, there's an ongoing consequence, but you still choose disobedience over submitting to God's uh, will and obeying God. So what area, here's the question we got to ask ourselves this morning, what area of your life are you harboring disobedience? What area of your life are you harboring disobedience? What has God, you, what has God asked you to start doing or stop doing, but you refuse to? What has God asked you to stop doing or start doing, but you refuse to? For some of you, God has asked you to stop ask, uh, hanging around with a certain group of people because they have a negative influence on your life. And whenever you're with them, they constantly pull you away from God and they draw you away from Him. Others of you, God has asked you to get plugged into a life group, to do life with people that can pray for you and that can give you encouragement when you need it. 
Some of you, God has called you to step out in faith and to trust and to start a ministry or to serve on a Sunday or to serve at one of our outreaches. You know, by the way, we got an outreach coming up this Friday. We're going to be showing a movie at Halsey Park. And some of you, God is calling you like, yo, I got to be there to serve. Answer God's call. Be there this Friday night so you can serve at our movie night. Maybe God has called you to build meaningful relationships with your neighbors so that you can serve with them, so you can serve them, so you can invite them, so you can share the gospel with them. What is God calling you to start doing or stop doing? True worship requires obedience. True worship requires obedience. What is God asking you to do? What area in your life have you been disobeying God? If you can start obeying Him. Here's what happens next. Jonah chapter 1, verse uh, 13 and 14. Chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says this. Nevertheless, this is so funny. Jonah tells him, yo, the rain will stop, the storm will stop, throw me into the ocean. Nevertheless, verse 13, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with this innocent blood for you, Lord, have done just as you please. This is so funny. Here's their their chance. They did everything they did they could do. They they threw you know cargo into the ocean. They cried out to their God. They you know cut their veins. They 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 worshiped their gods like please. They prayed to their false gods. Stop this. Jonah says it'll stop if you throw me into the ocean. And they're like, no, nah, you can't. Come on, come on, guys. We can't let this guy go. And they go back to Rowan. It's so funny. These guys, pagan godless guys, have more morals than some Christians do. Isn't that funny? They like, no, we can't just throw this guy into the ocean. So they. They go back, they put the pedal to the metal, and they're trying to save his life, and they're trying to get this under control. Unfortunately, they can't. They can't. And so our last point on worship, we learn from the actions of the, of the sailors, and it's this, number four, that true worship requires surrender. True worship requires surrender. And we're going to see this uh, from the sailors now, okay? A lot that we learned was from Jonah so far, really, from what he's not done. This is what we've learned from Jonah. But now let's look at the sailors. 15 and 16. Ready? Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by the great fear of the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. Why don't you guys underline that part right there in your notes, where it says that they were seized by great fear of the Lord. Because guys, this is where we see the hearts of the sailors begin to turn. It turns off of their false gods and onto the one and true God. And how do we know this? Because they make a sacrifice and they make vows. You see, sacrifices were acts of worship. They were acts of worship and they were used for repentance of sin. These men had a very real encounter with the living God and surrendered their lives to Him right in this moment. Now here's what's really funny. What was Jonah running away from? Jonah was running away from preaching repentance to pagan and Gentile and godless nation. And here on a boat in the middle of the ocean, 
God uses Jonah's disobedience to cause pagan and Gentile sailors to repent and turn to him. God brings about salvation despite Jonah's waywardness. Once again, if you like to take extra notes right there, write big words, God's sovereignty all over this. Even in, even in Jonah's disobedience, God brings about the salvation of these men. Once again, you see God's love again here in this picture. And he brings about salvation. The captain and his crewmates were previously surrendered and praying to and sacrificing to their false pagan gods. But now they have surrendered to the one true God. The application for us to reflect on this morning, what is it? Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus is the better Jonah. When Jonah had the opportunity to repent and obey God, he would rather die than accomplish God's purpose. But Jesus died to fulfill God's purpose. Jonah had the opportunity to acknowledge his sin and turn to God, but didn't cease it. And so this morning, I want to give you guys an opportunity to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. The Bible says that we were dead in our sin, in our trespasses. But for those of us that are in Christ, we are made alive. Guys, your sin doesn't make you bad. Your sin makes you dead. And dead people can't do much. But God, in His great love for us, sends Jesus to die in our place for our sin. And He rose from the grave to grant us forgiveness of sin and newness of life. And the Bible says that all you have to do to receive this free gift of God's grace is trust in Jesus. All you have to do is trust in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Receive this free gift of God's grace. Put your faith in Him. Your debt was paid in full. And like the sailors surrendered their lives, you can as well. And experience God's grace. Experience God's mercy. Experience God's love and His forgiveness for you this morning. Put your faith in Him. Take it off of yourself and put it in Christ. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning if you haven't done so yet. If everybody would take out their connection card real quick, uh, we're at the end of our time in the message. But on the back, I want to point you guys to some next steps. Uh, among that, there's the opportunity to get baptized. If you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and you want to do that, check that off. We want to get that done for you. We want to help you take that next step. Maybe join us at a life group. Check off which one you want to be a part of this week. But if you're here today and you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then I want to encourage you to do that this morning. And check that off. And here's what's going to happen. We want to follow up with you. We want to put a Bible in your hands if you don't have one. We want to be a church family that comes alongside you and celebrates with you and helps you take your next step. So if that's you, check that off in a moment. Stephen will give you an opportunity to be able to hand those connection cards in and let us know. Guys, true worship comes from obedience, from a life that is surrendered to Jesus. That is what worship is all about. It's not just the songs that we sing on a Sunday, the song that you sing in your shower when nobody's listening. And it's about living a life in obedience to God, living a life of surrender to Him. If you haven't made that decision, make that decision today. I want to encourage you to do that. You guys want to pray with me? Let's pray as we close out. God, I pray that you would develop within us 
a truly worshipful heart and a truly worshipful attitude. I pray that our words would align with our actions and create within us, Lord, an obedient heart because we surrender all to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen.